Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, Endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. What is the source of our encouragement? I really believe the Bible teaches that the source of our encouragement as we go through first and second Thessalonians is our rapture out of here before the tribulation starts, which would be the beginning of sorrows, the abomination of desolation, and then the great tribulation. That's encouraging. In the context of encouragement, it wouldn't be encouraging to have to go through pestilence and earthquakes and famines. And um, those are what's called the beginning of sorrows. (laughs) And once we get through first and second Thessalonians, we're going to go through Matthew 24. We're going to go through how to rightly divide the Bible. And we're going to. Uh, all, all of this stuff, by the end of mid next year, I think we'll have a good grasp on, or at least we'll have uh, a different perspective or understanding. Those pestilences and earthquakes and famines and all of that is the beginning of sorrows. I'm not sorrowful. We have an encouragement, and that encouragement as Christians is we're not going through that. That's, that's, that's a hope. That's, that's a source of joy. For us, that's a source of encouragement and, and hope. Um, seals and vials aren't, a, aren't an, are a source of encouragement for me or for you. Uh, get Philippians chapter number three. And let's get Titus chapter number two. The Bible says in verse number 20. Well, let's back up a little bit and, and let's read it. Verse number 17. because I want to just draw out one little thing out of the context here. Brethren, that would be you. That would be believers. Be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. Now watch this. Who mind earthly things. I'm telling you the number one mistake that people fall into when it comes to dividing out the Bible or getting messed up on doctrine is earth versus heaven, earthly versus spiritual. Israel, every false doctrine that you come up with or every Christian sect that you would come up with is somebody that thinks they're Israel. Someone takes a promise from Israel or someone ties the church into that. Every single one. JWs, they'll tie you up in Matthew all day. They think they're Israel. 
Every single group. It's truth always misapplied. And so I really want to study and, and understand all of this. Um, whose mind, who mind earthly things. So why do I say that? You and I can get caught up in, oh no, there's a physical election. The end must be near. Except Hitler got elected. <laughs> Except Paul was talking about the last days and we should all be excited for the coming of the Lord. Does it certainly look like the end is near? It does. It does. But I'm saying we can't lose fact. We can't lose sight of the fact that we need to look up, not down. We always have to do that because the Lord could come at any moment. And we do see this spiritual outworking, especially in our nation, that would lead us to believe. I mean, come on, Lord. <laughs> I understand there is that. There is that. But our minds can't be tied up in earthly things. Why? Verse 20. This is the verse I ask you to turn to because I want you to look at this. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. That they fashion like unto his glorious body. We don't need to look for a famine or an earthquake or a pestilence or a satanic ruler. We need to look to heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. We're a spiritual people. We're not an earthly people. That's encouraging. It's encouraging. We look. What's the source? Our Savior in heaven. What's the place? Our conversation is in heaven. Titus. 2, 13, and I hope by the time we get through all of Thessalonians, all this will tie in together, and you can't preach everything in one night, because everybody, nobody will get anything out of it, but it says in Titus 2, verse 13, looking for earthquakes, looking for famine, looking for pestilences, looking for, oops, doesn't say any of that. It says looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is your hope. That is my hope. First Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. I need to stop, pause, and park here. I'm going to rewind and slow down. Look at what it says. First Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope or crown? I'm sorry. For what is our hope? I do need to slow down. Or joy or crown of rejoicing. Are not even ye in the presence, now watch this, of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. I want you to note this. In the Bible, in First and Second Thessalonians, there are five references to Christ's coming. So jot these down or just remember them or go back and listen to the recording. When we see these references to Christ coming for his church, 
That is our blessed hope. That is Christians leaving this earth. And the church won't be on this earth anymore. The church will be in heaven. This is Christ coming for his church. For the blessed hope where Christians will not be on the earth anymore. We will be removed from the earth. And then the church will no longer be on the earth. The church will be in heaven. So watch this. These five references. Jot them down in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians 3. Look at verse number 13. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. Oh, see, well, there it is, with all his saints. To the earth? No. <laughs> now, this verse ties some people up. Well, see there, it says, that um, at, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Yeah, but where? If you read that and insert at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints to the earth, you would have assumed into the text. You would have read into the text. Let's, le let's read the verse again. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father. Before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints. Well, where's God, even our Father? That would be the third heaven, God's dwelling place. That's where we're going when Christ's when Christ comes for his bride, the church. They may establish your hearts on blameable holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. He's come, we're coming with the Lord. The Lord and his saints, saints being us, the church. Where? Before God, even our Father. And we'll get to that when we're going to go through verse by verse on chapter three, which we're going to start next Sunday. But we got two references now. And the point of me starting this wasn't to preach on that verse, but just wanted to draw that out for you. First Thessalonians 2.19, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. First Thessalonians 3.13, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the second reference, the coming of the Lord for his church. First Thessalonians 4, let's get verse 15. This is the third verse. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. See that? There's the coming of the Lord. These references, there's five of them in First and Second Thessalonians, to Christ coming for the church. First Thessalonians 4.15, the coming of the Lord. Now go over the first Thessalonians chapter five. And verse number. Twenty three. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy and I pray God. 
your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The fourth reference I'd like you to note in your Bible or just take a note on references the coming of the Lord for his church. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. The last one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. That's the fifth and final verse I'd like to point out regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ for his church. Well, stop, pause, and park, take a breath here, because that was a lot of information. But those five verses, note that in your mind. Start studying that throughout the week. That blessed hope is not the second coming or the second advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the earth. So now let's look at the three references that speak about th this matter of the second coming of Christ to the earth. That blessed hope, his feet do not touch down the Malabalos. We meet him in the air. These verses are referring to when God, when Jesus Christ comes back, God is going to start dealing with the nation. Of Israel again. And he will deliver Jews. From their enemies. He delivers our bodies. From this earth. At the blessed hope. On his second coming. He comes to the earth. And delivers Jews. From their enemies. He goes back and he turns back to dealing. With the nation. First Thessalonians chapter number five. Okay, and I don't want to I don't want to teach and preach all this now because we'll get so far off track. We'll be so far out of the context of what we're trying to be. But verse number one, but of the times and the seasons, brethren. ye have no need that I write unto you. <laughs> In other words, don't worry about it. You've got no need for me to write this to you. For yourselves know perfectly. That the day of the Lord. So cometh as a thief in the night. For when you shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a womb with no child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. And we're going to teach and preach on this when we go verse by verse. But I want you to notice there's three verses that refer to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in First and Second Thessalonians, and this is one of them. This verse is not the coming of Christ or the blessed hope like we just looked at. This verse is, we yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. That's Christ coming to the earth. That is not a reference to him meeting his saints in the air. That day of the Lord 
is not the blessed hope. Second Thessalonians verse seven of chapter one. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter one verse number seven. Watch it. Watch this. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them, know not God, and obey, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is our second reference in First and Second Thessalonians that refer to the Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth, not the blessed hope. First five we looked at, he's meeting the saints in the clouds in the air. These references have to do with the Lord coming to earth. When it says, the thief of the night, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. The last one, there's three of them about the second coming of Christ to earth. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. His coming where? To the earth. To deal with Israel. He's going to end, end up delivering Jews from their enemies. Now, remember we talked about this morning when we looked at uh, that, that furnace and the lamp and the suffering Egypt and the Assyrian and the tribulation and the deliverance of the Lord. He's going to deliver them just like he delivers us. He delivered us and he will deliver us. Delivered from our sins, right? We're saved. We get that. And then as we go through things here on, on earth, he, he's right there with us, right? He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. Okay. Now I want you to put away all those five verses on his second coming. And those three verses on when he comes down to earth, put that away in your memory jogger. Because that's going to come back up once we get to verse, once we get to chapter four, the end of it, especially. And then the beginning of chapter five, especially. We're going to start breaking all this stuff down, but it's so much information that I want you to put this away in your memory jogger. No, I, th I feel like I go too fast sometimes and I got too many deer in the headlights. What do we just, what do we want to get understanding? There's the coming of Christ for his church and there's the day of the Lord. If you go home with nothing else tonight, just go home with, okay, there's a distinction. I don't quite get it yet, but it'll all come together. Coming of Christ, day of the Lord. Now go back to 1 Thessalonians. All the kids got that, right? <laughs> chapter one, we're going to get some context and then we'll get, and then we'll wrap it up. But chapter one on first Thessalonians, thanksgiving to God is what is given here. They're thankful for the people. Everybody's content. Why are they content? Because of God's calling. Everybody's fine. And their contentment, look how it is evidence. Are you content in the Lord? This will be a little test for us. Look how it is evidenced in verse number five. It's evidenced by there's power in the preaching. For our gospel came not unto you in the word only, but also in power 
and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men were among you for your sake. That was a, an evidence of their thanksgiving and their contentment. Uh, go to chapter 2. Look at verse 2. Look at the boldness, the evidence. They're just content in God. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated. As you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. You know the sign of an uncontent person? They just quit and give up. I'm not dealing with this. They're so content, these Thessalonians, that they can be shamefully entreated, go through all this. Let's just go out and be bold about the gospel, man. It's good. Look at the uh, look at the exhortation in verse three. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Exhortation, that's words they don't only advise, but exhorting words, they also encourage. They were content. And then look at it in verse number four. Even so we speak. Even so we speak. What are they speaking? The gospel. Why? They're, they're just content. Now look at verse number five. Their contentment is evidenced by the type of words. Look at verse five. Look at these words here. For neither at any time used we flattering words, Joel Osteen, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. So a lot of these phony balonies don't realize. God is their witness. These people are going to stand before God. They're not trying to flatter people, make them feel all lovey-dovey. And exclude out what's important. Now how can you do that? If you're content. In what God gave you. I am. Are you? Salvation. Now watch what they were seeking. This Look at this. This is so key for our lives as Christians. We should be like the Thessalonians. Look at how their contentment is evidenced. By what they're seeking after. Nor of men sought we glory. Creflo Dollar. <laughs> you know that's not your real name. All of these faith healers. Benny, Benny, Benny Hinn. Oh, Benny, Benny. He's a fake man. He's not, he's not a man of God. He's seeking his own glory. Thessalonians weren't neither of you. They weren't seeking glory from anybody nor yet of others. But we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. They were seeking. God. And so should we. Now, there, you, here's how, how else they were evidence. Look at what they preached. Where you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you prosperity. No, we preached unto you a social gospel. No, we preached unto you tithe and give to the church or God's going to swallow you up. No, we preached unto you the gospel of God. And that's what we preach when we knock doors. That's what we preach when we give out gospel tracts. 
It's not come to our happy, slappy little children's service. It's not we're going to have pretzels the clown here and we want to have a big blow up house and have the kids all have a great time and feed them pizza and slip in a little faith based Jesus on the side. That's not our motive. It's not our motive at all. We want to have a children's program. We're not against that. But that children's program, it needs to be built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. The kids can color. The kids can have a bounce house. The kids can do all these fun things. But this modern church is using that as a way to numb people and use it as an excuse to not tell them about Jesus Christ. And that's a fact. These guys are phony fakers. What did they preach? The gospel. Preach the gospel. Now look at the look at the charge in chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Why doesn't anybody want to walk worthy of God? We need to be like the Thessalonians and evidence our contentment with our God like they evidenced their contentment with their God. Walk worthy of God. Look at verse number two in, in, in chapter number two. You can see God's calling again because the preaching is bold. And then we also see, um, uh, you know, the affliction again. When you go back to, to chapter number two, it's in the, in the midst of the affliction. Their preaching is still bold. And in verse number three and four, we see that the preaching. Who does it please? They're not looking to please men. They're looking to please God. If you and I have that in the back of our mind, when we're witnessing to somebody and telling them about Jesus, who are you looking to please? God or men? I'm telling you, we'll be, we'll have God's hand on it. Little as much when God is in it. And then their preaching is not selfish. Verses five through eight, we, we, we kind of already went through all that, but the evidence of God's calling is that those Thessalonians were not selfish. Verse 7 says they were gentle. Verse 8 says they shared their own souls. You can't forget this, though. How did they receive God's calling? And what's the evidence for that? Look at the simplicity. Verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. We must believe, and we want to compel others to believe. That's the evidence that they receive God's calling. 
They believed on Jesus Christ. And we went last week about the suffering in verses 14 through 16. Now, this was the start, chapter number one and two. And we have evidence that they're very resolute. They're steadfast. And now they're encouragement. It's all continual. So 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 17. Here's what it says. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, Endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Verse number 17, I want to draw out the fact that they had a very, very, very strong desire. This is what made them resolute and they continued in their in this in this encouragement. Verse number 18, wherefore we would have come unto you. Even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. Verse number 18, we see Satan as the hindrance. One side, you and I as Christians, I have a very, very strong desire to be used of God. Satan has the hindrance. And we are not going to get rid of that in this life. So don't try to, because <laughs> you won't. You won't. Our conversation is, is in heaven. I'm looking up. I'm not looking down. It's a, it's a spiritual battle, and so many times we make it physical. I, I have such a strong desire to tell people about the Lord and witness to them. Do you? Satan is the hindrance. He does not want you to do that. And he'll plant a seed of doubt. He'll put a situation in front of you. You young fellows that aren't yet married, it might come in the form of a girl. It might just be a distraction. You, you find, you find a, a girl that wants to get you off of your course to live for God. That's not God's will for your life. <laughs> okay. I'm just telling you. She might talk sweet. She might look pretty. She might say all the right things. She might bat her eyes. She might want all that. If she's going to try to get you and talk you out of not handing out gospel tracts, not knocking on doors, not going to church. Do you really have to go during midweek? Can't we go and get a milkshake? Oh, yeah, we can just after church. Satan is the hindrance. Satan is the hindrance. God will send you a woman, if you're a young person, and she will encourage you to go knock on another door. She will encourage you to get to church a little bit earlier. She will encourage you to, oh, can you read that Bible verse to me again? That is what you're looking for. But I'm telling you, Satan will put a hindrance in your life. You're going to have a strong desire and Satan is the hindrance. And you just fill in the blank with another example, but that's just the way it works. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.